So I don't know, Tang, I don't know if you've been praying about this, but I was praying about it and trying to figure out. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but in the, in the preaching world, uh, what we call one-off sermons, uh, that's when we have to preach one Sunday, one sermon that doesn't go into a series uh, for, for a variety of reasons. We have to do that. Those are by far the hardest sermons to write because essentially you sit down in your study or at the coffee shop, wherever you go to write sermons, and you take this big Bible and you sit it in front of you and you're like, I wonder what the Lord wants me to talk about. And it takes a long time and sometimes a lot of sweat and tears and, you know, shaking your fists at, at heaven to figure out what the Lord wants you to talk about. And this is actually, um, uh, this sermon title is a sermon that I did with our youth group a while back. I just took it and, and just kind of dug a little bit deeper because I had a little bit more time with you uh, for us to um, discuss No Time to Wait. And I, I really like that, that the Lord laid this on my heart because I feel like it, it fits well with, with what Rick talked about last week. Anybody remember what Rick talked about last week in one word? I won't tell him if you don't remember. He's talking about rest. Rest. And I think many times the reason we don't rest, we have a lot of reasons that we don't rest, but one of the reasons we don't rest is because we don't want to wait. And so I think uh, those two sermons, even though they're not in a series together, I think they fit perfectly together that, you know, God commands us to rest and we're like, wait, in order to rest, I have to wait and I don't want to wait, so I'm just not going to rest. You guys catch all that? And so I'll also say that the Lord is dealing with me a little bit because I, I hate this topic. I hate waiting. I hate it. I feel like it's a waste of time. I feel like it's a waste of resources. I feel like there's, you know, it's just this nebulous void in the space of existence. It's just, there's nothing going on. And I just, I hate it. And the Lord's like, huh. Okay, well, let's, let's preach on that then, Charlie. Let's talk about that and dig a little bit deeper and find out why you hate it so much and how you shouldn't hate it. Because we should not hate waiting. So before we dig into that, I have, I, that's kind of heavy. I have some fun questions I'm going to ask. And, and you've got to participate, okay? Uh, these are fun questions. There's no wrong answer. Well, there maybe are some wrong answers. We'll see. But uh, in theory, there should be no wrong answer. So here's my first question. If I had a $100 bill, Okay, amen. This guy knows what he's talking about. Yes, I'll take it. If I had $100 bills and I said, I'll give you a $100 bill, but you got to spend it all today, what would you spend it on? Miles? You got to spend it all today. Okay, so some, torps, some type of centerpiece or flower arrangement or a down payment on some type of centerpiece or flower arrangement. Okay, what else? $100, what are you going to spend it on? Cash money. Food. See, that was me too. I was like, man, I could... Eat like a king at Burger King on $100, man. But like, you get, a, you get a Big Mac, you get a Whopper, you get, you know, just, just have fun. What else? $100. Date night. Date night. Man, I'll make sure Angela gets the message. That was a good one. That was smooth. I, I was, I was going to say date night too. So, uh, you know, so. Okay, let me up the ante a little bit. What if I had $500 cash? Five crisp $100 bills, and I said, I will slap those bills right in your hand. You just got to tell me what you're going to spend it on, but it's got to all be gone today. All the change, all the pennies, nickels, dimes, you got to spend it all today. Christine, what would you spend $500 on? I mean, besides a date night. Go ahead. A trip. To where? A getaway. Okay. Would you invite anybody with you, or is this going to be a solo, solo trip? Or Okay, I can come. Yes. Okay. Who else? Over here, $500. Back at the back. I'm going to start walking back here. Rent, amen, sister. Somebody's thinking, 500 bucks. 
Whoa, that's way more expensive than $500. That might get you started. Read. PS4 Pro. My man. All right. Okay, one last time. I'm going to really up the ante a little bit. What if I had $1,000 cash? See, that's, I think, that's, yeah, that's 10 $100 bills. And I said, I'll give them to you. You can have all 10 of them, but you got to spend it all today. What would you spend it on? I want, I want to know what Will Miller would say. $1,000 cash. College tuition. College tuition. <laughs> I, amen. I appreciate that. Who else? $1,000. Yes. Student loans. All right. Student loans. That's smart. I think Will would affirm that decision, you know. Okay. A couple more. $1,000. Anybody? Yes. $1,000 on McDoubles? That's a lot of McDoubles. I think, aren't those like 39 cents each or something like that? Wow, okay. Hey, I respect it. He knows what he wants. Anybody else? $1,000. One more. Oh, Suzanne's like, hey, man, I'll take, I'll take $100, $500, $1,000. Awesome, awesome. Well, here's the reality. That's fun to think about because I've never had somebody, you know, hand me $1,000 class and challenge me to spend it all in one day. I would love to, if you want to see what I would do, I'll take up that, you know, that offering here in a moment. But um, here's the reality. We've all, we are all given something every day that is far more valuable than $1,000. We are given something every day from our Father in Heaven that is far more valuable than $1,000. Every day, Every one of us is given 1,440 minutes. And because of, our, because of the goodness of our Father, He gives us the grace and the freedom, we call that free will, to spend that 1,440 minutes however we want. And I just want you to think about, well, let me say this. I want us to spend a minute See what I did there? We're going to spend a minute. We're going to spend a minute thinking about how precious that gift is. Because you're like $1,000 versus some minutes. I don't know. Well, think about this. Those 1,440 minutes, they're non-transferable. You can't give your minutes to anybody else. No matter how much you want to, how much you desire to, you can't give your minutes to anybody else. You can't earn any more. You can't say, hey, I was really good with yesterday's minutes. I should accrue some interest and get more minutes today it doesn't work like that you can't save those minutes for later at the end of today they're gone they're unrecoverable so once they're spent they're gone forever whether you wasted them or not they're gone and you don't know when you're going to run out of them you don't know when you're going to spend your last minute and you won't receive another one. So to me, those 1,440 minutes that the Lord, our loving Father, gives us are far more valuable than $1,000. Every day we're given 1,440 minutes to spend however we want, but rather than praise 
and thanksgiving to God. Thank you, Father, for the freedom to spend these minutes however I want this precious gift that I can't give away, that I can't earn more of, that is gone forever once I spend them. Instead of praise and worship to our Heavenly Father, here's what we find ourselves saying. Many of us find ourselves saying this. If I had more time, I would do this or that. Or, I'll do this or that when I find more time. We have to realize how incredibly dangerous, both spiritually and physically, that statement is. Because the reality is, you will never find more time. The reality is, you'll never have more time. You're only ever given 1,440 minutes. But Satan, who's our enemy, he knows that if he can keep us waiting for more time, he can keep us weak and under control. Because think about this. If we think that we can get more time or we think we can find more time somehow, then we very easily will give, our, give in to the temptation to fill our days with activities and uh, with fun and with uh, all sorts of stuff. We, we would um, find ourselves prioritizing what we think is important first. That means our focus would be on what seems urgent instead of what is important. We'd make decisions based on what's urgent because, hey, I gotta get this done now. I'll find more time later or I'll have more time later. So I'm gonna do what's urgent or what's pleasurable or what's fun now, and then I'm gonna put off what's really, really important. I'm gonna set aside the things that can wait, like rest, worship, prayer. Those things can wait until I find more time. See, that's a, that's a lie of our enemy. You'll find more time. You'll have more time later. When our Father in heaven is saying, I've, I've given you a, a beautiful, precious, perishable gift for today. And I think he does that so that we would consider more uh, heavily how we spend those minutes. I love this quote. Uh, it's an author. He's a, it's an unknown author. He says this, or she says this. More time is wasted, not in hours, but in minutes. A bucket with a small hole in the bottom gets just as empty as a bucket that's deliberately kicked over. So many of us are wasting our time by the minute. Very subtle, very slow. Never realizing these precious commodities that we're just giving away. So I would say for us, we have to stop waiting for more time and we have to start waiting on the Lord. We have to stop waiting for more time and we have to start waiting on the Lord. I want to read for us again Isaiah 40, 30 through 31. It says, Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a great place for somebody to say amen, but we'll move on. Amen. Thank you. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So uh, let me give you, for, for me, Isaiah 40, there's some realities of waiting that we need to identify that that scripture is trying to tell us. The first is this, waiting is a necessity. It's a necessity. 
The scriptures tell us, if we believe what the scriptures say, that a man rose from the dead and that he's alive and well and that he's forgiven us for our sins and he's gonna come again one day, those same scriptures that we put all that faith in for our eternal existence also says even youths will grow weary. So what that tells me, all of us will run out of energy. No matter how strong you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how fit you are, no one has an endless supply of energy and strength and willpower. We will all get tired. So waiting is a necessity for all of us. The second uh, reality of waiting is that waiting costs time. So with your 1,440 minutes, if waiting is a necessity, then you've got to set aside some of those 1,440 minutes so that you have them to spend on waiting. See, if you spend all 1,440 minutes on other things, you don't have them to spend on waiting. But don't we use our money for what's, what's important? Don't we normally pay our mortgage first because we need a house to, to stay in? We need a place to, to rest and, and to be safe from the elements? We, we usually spend our money when we get paid on the most important things first. And if you don't, you should. The same would be for waiting. We should spend our 1,440 minutes on what's most important first. And then if there's anything left over, we can have a little fun with that. Right? Because uh, I love this. A, a pastor, I was at License to Preschool this weekend, and uh, a local licensed pastor in the area, he's actually at Monday, um, United Methodist Church, and he was talking about scheduling. He says, whatever you say yes to, that means you've said no to something else. And I was like, why did you say that? Right? Just take that conviction somewhere else, right? Take that truth to somebody else. But that's true. So I would say the same for us. Whatever you spend your minutes on, you're saying no to spending those minutes on something else. And if you spend all your minutes on something else, you're really saying no to waiting, which our scripture says is a necessity. And the third one, uh, and the one that's the most convicting for me, and the one I wish I didn't have to talk to you about, is that waiting is trusting. Waiting is trusting. And here's how I know that. I find this fascinating. You guys know that uh, the Old Testament was written originally in Hebrew and that we take that original language and we've translated it into English. And sometimes uh, one word in Hebrew, we need two or three or four words in English to actually give the full life and emotion that that original Hebrew word was trying to communicate, right? So check this out. Isaiah 40, 31 Translated it in the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, says this. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah 40, 31 in the New Living Translation says those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. And Isaiah 40, 31 in the New uh, International Version, it says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. So that word is so complex for us that we, we actually have used three different words, waiting, trusting, hoping, to describe that one word in the original Hebrew. So I just abbreviated it and said, waiting is trusting. Waiting is trusting that you doing nothing for the Lord means something to the Lord. And that he will respond to you doing nothing. You waiting means something to God. And he's going to do something with it. It also means, waiting also means that you are trusting the Lord to accomplish things 
while you're waiting. That he doesn't need you to do everything because he's the all-knowing, all-powerful God. He's got cattle on a thousand hills, right? So you don't have to be the hero all the time. If I sit and wait, I know that whatever that thing is that I feel like I have to do, if the Lord is expecting me to wait, he's going to take care of that and take care of me. And when we wait, we're hoping that the Lord will renew our strength. We're hoping that he'll renew our strength. And so why trust the Lord? Why trust? Because to me, that's the biggest challenge for my trust is to wait. Like, Lord, I'll go, you know, I'll go for you and I'll serve for you and I'll sacrifice for you. The Lord's like, I want you to wait for me. I don't know. Is there an option B? So why should we trust the Lord? Well, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 28 and 29 actually answers that question for us. Verses 28 and 29 says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He does not faint and grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and he strengthens the powerless. Amen? So the reason we should trust the Father to restore us when we're waiting is because he has an endless supply of strength. And he has an unquenchable desire to restore those who are weak. That feels like that's somebody that I can trust in. But here's, here's the catch. Here's what catches us every time. God will renew our strength on his terms and his terms alone. His terms and his terms alone. Because here's what we normally do. We're running and gunning and we're doing this and that. And we're, we're serving and sacrificing. And we're, we're running our, ourselves dry. And we're, you know, we've got all these, these empty uh, fuel tanks. And we pray to God, God, Isaiah 40 promises that you'll renew our strength. Will you, just, will you just renew my strength, Lord? What we're really asking the Lord for is a spiritual energy drink so we can continue living life at the pace that we're living it. And the Lord refuses to do that. He refuses to enable his children that he loves to live a lifestyle at a pace that will ultimately destroy us. So he says, I'll renew your strength. I love you. I don't want you to be faint. I don't want you to be weak. I'll renew your strength, but you're going to have to wait in order for me to do it, because those are my terms. Because if I renew your strength, I have an unquenchable power to renew your strength. I could renew your strength to the point that you would run yourself into the ground and you would destroy yourself if I enabled you to keep living at the pace that you're living right now. So no, I will not do that. But I will invite you to wait and pause and rest And through that act of trusting, that act of hoping, I'll renew your strength. Trust me. I'll renew your strength. Because you're submitting yourself to my terms. You're putting your faith in my way. And I will absolutely respond to that. So I just want to challenge you. Your next step uh, for this week is to purposely spend some of your 1,440 minutes on rest. You get 1,440 minutes every day for the next seven days. I want you to, to decide how many of those minutes are worth spending on rest. And I want you to write it down somewhere. I think 15 of my 1,440 minutes every day are worth spending on rest. And I'm going to invest those, one, those 15 minutes, I'm going to invest those minutes in waiting on the Lord so that he can restore me 
and he can renew my strength. And so I have some examples for you. Uh, the first one is uh, maybe go for a walk one evening with your family. No phones, no music, just a simple walk with your family. Or, uh, this one uh, Christine and I have been practicing, it's been amazing, uh, just sit on your front porch, make up some sweet tea or unsweet tea if you're a normal person like me, uh, or lemonade, just sit on your front porch, leave the, the phones in the house, and shut the door, let the kids play in the yard, or the grandkids play in the yard, just sit on the front porch and do nothing. See what the Lord might do with that. If you just try, Lord, I'm just going to sit on this front porch. I just want to see what you're going to do. Lord, I can work with that. I can work with that. Uh, this one I hate as well. Um, take a nap. I'm like, that's, that's, that's almost sacrilege. I think naps are a waste of time. Uh, but I just felt like the Lord was like, put it on there. I took naps. Jesus took naps, so I better, I better include it. Take a nap. Can you know what a nap reminds you? Even youths grow weary. And it forces you to admit, I'm tired. And it forces you to practice doing nothing. And I hate that. But I probably need that. Uh, the last one, I've been trying to practice this one as well. Uh, spend some time without your phone and or simply sign out of your social media apps. That one's been life-saving for me. So I have Facebook and Instagram, and I have, you know, the Nova page, the Uprising page, uh, the FUMC page. I have all of those that I help manage and I help respond to. And so that little red dot of destruction is always at the top of my little app. So what I've been doing is I've been signing out of those apps, living my life, and when I decide it's a good time to spend some of my 1,440 minutes on social media, I'll sign back in. But that keeps me from constantly being bombarding with, this is urgent, this is urgent. You gotta get rid of those two red dots. You gotta, you know, there's, there's three messages. What if it's somebody asking if, you know, Jesus can be their Lord and Savior? You gotta, you gotta do it right now. And I'm constantly, you know, trying to manage all that while doing everything else I have responsibilities for. So see, I'm purposely spending those minutes instead of having those minutes just constantly pulled out of me. And there's a thousand others that you can do. But I encourage you this week to decide, to decide today, how many of my minutes are worth spending on waiting and resting? And how am I going to do it? And so I want to leave you with this quote. Rest, this is from Charles Spurgeon. Rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. And listen for this part. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. Let's pray.